Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for this wonderful group of people, for the time that we have together. And I just pray that uh, while Evelyn and I attempt to present information that inspires and motivates and educates, that your Holy Spirit will work to illuminate each individual heart. Because people are here, Father in heaven, because they want you. They want your ways. They want your life within them. And I pray that you would answer that deepest prayer that we all have, and that's why we're here together. In Jesus' name, amen. As I begin, I want to share a quote that I think is, I carry it in my Bible. It just means a lot to me, and I think it's going to mean a lot to you too. This is found in volume five of the Testimonies, and it says, the forgiveness of sin is not the sole result of the death of Jesus. He made the infinite sacrifice, not only that sin might be removed, but that human nature might be restored, rebeautified, reconstructed from its ruins. Amen? Reconstructed from its ruins and made fit for the presence of God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. This is from To Be Like Jesus. Looking upon the people in their suffering. Do we suffer in this world? You know, the book of Job helps us to understand that there comes a place where cause and effect relationships just fall apart. Really terrible things happen to innocent people and really amazing good things happen to evil people. But would you agree with me that we bring a lot of needless suffering upon ourselves? And how many of you would like to dial that down by God's grace in every area of our lives? So this is a beautiful promise I want to share with you as we begin today. Looking upon the people in their suffering and degradation. Have you ever felt degraded? Have you ever felt like you're just a a mess? Well, the Lord is in the business of turning messes into miracles. Looking upon the people in their suffering and degradation, Christ perceived ground for hope where there appeared only despair and ruin. Wherever there existed a sense of need, he saw opportunity for uplifting. We all have a full-time job. The full-time job is to bring courage and strength to the people we come in contact with, to add value to their lives. Isn't that a wonderful goal every day, to add value to someone else's life? In every human being, he discerned infinite possibilities. He saw men and women as they might be, transfigured by his grace in the beauty of the Lord our God. Looking upon them with hope, he inspired hope. So the heart of health is not getting a 100% bullseye on everything. The heart of health is hope. Hope in our habits. Hope in our heartaches. Hope in our hindrances and hope for heaven. Fair enough? The heart of health is hope. And God wants you to be inspired with hope today, but also with some practical tools because he's engineered you and me for renewal, recovery, and restoration. And if that were not true, I would just say, let's just give it up and go to Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. Let's just forget it. But fortunately, he knows all about you, and he knew what he was getting into with you when he called you. 
He knows how long you've been stuck in a rut, and he wants you to get out of it. Amen? And he helps us every day. So today, we're going to take a look at some really basic lifestyle principles uh, that I believe will heal uh, brain-body connections, which is very, very important. And we want to learn how to fight smart because it really is a war zone out there. Would you agree with me? You know, the Bible says that we're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is what is around us. The flesh is what is in us that tries to break out of that old cage sometimes. And the devil is who's against us. But the Lord says that he's come that we might have the victory over all of those things. But it's a process, isn't it? It's a process that takes place over time. So these are the battlegrounds that we've identified. So first of all, there is the environment, and that is what surrounds us. You can go and get an angioplasty and get some burger and fries on the way out through the hospital cafeteria. So would you agree with me that creating an environment around you is a really important piece for long-term success? And there's something called exposure effect that is really important for us to understand. So how many of you have ever purchased a car, maybe a, a, it's a certain color or a certain model, and then all of a sudden, what do you see everywhere you look? That's what you see, is you see that car. And so this exposure effect is really important because when you decide that you're going to start noticing something different, so, for instance, I've learned when I'm going on long trips, I now notice healthy food options in gas stations. Uh, there's an exposure effect, but it's really easy to be overwhelmed and notice just what's in front of the counter. And so, as we start to create new ideas of what we are deciding to notice, you know, we can decide to notice all the flaws and everything we don't have and everybody else's mistakes, or we can decide to notice what's hopeful, what we're grateful for. Amen? And uh, Charles Spurgeon said that some people are so constituted that if there were only one bog in the desert, they would soon be up to their neck in it. And so we have to decide what we're going to notice. And we have to be very intentional about it because most of the decisions that we make are really about what we're thinking. Because as the mind thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves. So there's not just the external environment of what is around us, but it's also the internal environment that needs cultivating. How many of you would like to cultivate a more wholesome internal environment? Yeah, we got to get rid of the nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms kind of thing that's going on sometimes. So there's your environment, that's what surrounds you. There's your culture, that's what pressures you. It might be your ethnic culture, it might be a work or school culture, it might be some social group uh, at the office. So what pressures you, it's not only what other people think about your habits, but it's what you think about your habits. So culture does pressure, create pressure. There's your biology. That's what changes you. So what might begin as an emotional problem or a comfort, a, a comfort habit, a comfort food, or some, some conditioned response to stress, very soon it shifts from, uh, a, from an emotional basis to an actual condition. So metabolic shifts... Uh, functional shifts, genetic shifts actually begin to take place. So now we've got to treat that thing not just like an emotional or a spiritual problem, but now we have to look at it as a condition. 
And so it takes time and perseverance to change. We don't like to hear that. You know, we really want things to happen fast. Amen? I mean, we're Christians. We're going to pray about it. We're going to get it. But that's just not the way it works. In fact, the Bible says here is the perseverance. The perseverance, the endurance. And the Bible talks in the book of John about bringing forth, forth fruit with perseverance. So perseverance is really the miracle that we need to pray for today. Amen? We need to learn how to feel wrong and do right. Perseverance is a miracle in a brown wrapper. And as a person that started running away from home at five years old, becoming a chronic runaway, drugs, you name it, trust me, perseverance is a gift from God for some of us. Some people have that gene and some don't. But I'm so thankful that God can change our wishbone into backbone. But it takes perseverance. So, you know, you're going to see ads on TV for raspberry, you know, go get these raspberry drops, you know, and in 30 days, you just take these raspberry drops. It's going to burn the mid-belly fat. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to move. You just, and I'm here to tell you that uh, those people that are selling that stuff, they, they have gone and bought an island somewhere, and they took their personal trainer and their chef with them. Uh, and you're going to be stuck with raspberry drops and the mid-belly fat. So the real miracle is to every day persevere until it becomes a habit on that one thing. It's called a keystone habit. Does that make sense today? So there's your brain, and that's what drives you. It is said that the battle is really not for the bulge. It's for the brain. It's not about appetite. It's not about weight control. It's about appetite control, and that's a brain thing. And we're really going to drill down on this uh, on Thursday when we have our follow-up class. And then, of course, there's the spiritual. That is who leads you. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but with spiritual wickedness, principalities, and powers in high places. The problem with some of us is we've just gotten tired and we've quit wrestling. How many of you want the strength and energy to start wrestling again? Because we're going to wrestle according to his strength, which works mightily in us. And we're going to pray for the keystone gift that we need, and that is perseverance. How many of you are willing to pray for perseverance today? It's the gift of those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Here is the perseverance of the saints. Amen? I pray for it every day. So these factors are going to influence what you eat, how much you eat, when, and how much you move. The society that, uh, that we live in now is boundaryless. We are an isolated, anonymous people. We behave better when we're, when we're together. And in fact, social isolation, the health consequences are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, more than heart disease and diabetes com combined. And so there are no boundaries, there are no interruptions, we're just one click away, one stop away, any time of the day from anything we want. So can you see the importance of having boundaries? A boundary, even pictures have frames, rooms have borders. Uh, the law of God, when God gave the law, there was a boundary. And so creating boundaries is actually creating places of safety. Does that make sense? It gives definition to life. Uh, and to our habits. And so the boundaries are places of safety. They're safe, places of comfort. They're places of system. And even children who play in playgrounds that have a fence around, 
they, are hap they play more happily. So I'm, I want to commit, I want for us to think about the importance of boundaries in our eating, boundaries in our sleeping, boundaries around exercise, boundaries around social relationships, boundaries around work. And as we have those boundaries, they will protect, serve to protect one another. Amen? So food is available anytime, anywhere, for any reason. The marketing is cheap, calorie-dense, oversized portions, and highly flavored. So I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of a strawberry shake. <laughs> now, those of you sitting in the back, you probably can't read all these words, but if you can find a strawberry in there, I'll give you a free book, <laughs> any book you want. Uh, but I don't think you're going to find it. Now, the truth is... Uh, that some of these uh, chemical entities are actual esters that, that you would find in real strawberries that would give it the color, the flavor, or the texture. Some of these things might give the texture. There are emulsifiers, et cetera, in here. But is that a strawberry? What's missing? Strawberry. Stra <laughs> That's good. That's perfect. The strawberry is missing. Okay, that's exactly right. So you're not getting nutrition, you're not getting phytochemicals, you're not getting fiber, you're not getting antioxidants, or the real satiety. So the satiety factor, there are three types of satiety. There's volume satiety, volume. So what would be good about volume satiety? What would be good about that? High fiber foods with volume. You're filled up, it delays the return of hunger, even for the next meal. So there's volume satiety, there's nutritional satiety. What would be good about nutritional satiety? You're, you're feeding your body, and that's the real source of energy. And then there is cellular satiety. What would that be all about? The functional needs of the cell are met. So you can have nutrition, but if the cells aren't working properly to receive the nutrition, and you're going to see a picture of it in a few minutes, then, then even though you're getting some nutrition, you're getting glucose into the blood, it's not getting into the cells. And if it doesn't get into the cells, what would one of the first symptoms of cellular mal malnutrition be? Exactly. Fatigue. Fatigue. That's right. So let's look at some obesity maps quickly. This is from the Centers for Disease Control, 1985. Uh, the darker the color, the higher the percentage of uh, obesity in that state. This is 1985, uh, 10 to 14% obesity. 1990, do we see a change? 1995, do we see a change? New category. No, year 2000. Another new category. Friends, this is not genetic. We don't reproduce as fast as rabbits. It's like one cardiovascular surgeon said. He said 90% of Americans need quadruple bypass. They need to bypass Pizza Hut, bypass Arby's, bypass Burger King, bypass what else? <laughs> McDonald's, okay. <laughs> Look at here, 2005, more than 30% of the state. Then... We have a new category just in five years, more than 35%. 2016, this is the latest, and here we see a very rapid increase in, uh, in obesity and in tandem with that, metabolic disease, inflammation, increased... Dep Do you think that there could be a link with increased depression, anxiety, mood disorders? 
We're going to see some fascinating linkages on Thursday and how you can actually treat brain-body connections uh, and improve and lower inflammation with some very simple choices. It's amazing how just modest changes can make a big difference. And that's really good news today. So this is interesting. There is more information pretending to be fact in this field than any other I can think of. That's a, uh, a food researcher from Rockefeller University, J.M. Friedman. Do you think that's true? Does that ring true with you? Now here it is. The most important factor of all is eating by blood type. Is that what it says? Getting rid of wheat. Is that what it says? Okay. It says the most important factor of all is the determination of the American people to do two things. First of all, overcome the converging forces. What does converging forces mean? It's like merging traffic, isn't it? So we've got some merging traffic here, and the merger is poor diet and what? Lack of exercise. Of the two, which do you think is harder uh, for people to adhere to over time? It's the exercise part. It really is, yeah. Because you eat indoors, but, but exercising, you can get derailed. It's harder to form the habit. Uh, when you're fatigued because of po uh, poor nutrition or being sedentary, it's harder to really get going. Then if you get knocked off the rails, you get a cold or you travel or the weather turns, you have to start all over again. Uh, and so we really need to be very intentional about our exercise goals. I like what Evelyn says. She's, she's so friendly, but she's tough. She says, there is no bad weather, just bad clothes. And she says, to me, she says, uh, the question is not, are we going to exercise today? But when and where? Can you say thank you, Evelyn? Thank you. Let's say it like we mean it. Thank you. All right. So crash diets and quick fixes do not work. In fact, dieting actually sows the seeds of its own destruction and is actually predictive of weight gain. So the question we like to ask is, are you eating enough to gain weight? We're going to learn that the types of foods that we eat, even if they are the same number of calories, are going to have a different effect on weight gain. Isn't that just a fascinating thought? So is a calorie, a calorie, a calorie, a calorie? No, and we're going to learn how that works as we go on. But as a people, as a group, we are eating too many calories, not moving enough, and that is the foundation of most of our metabolic issues in the United States today. Low-carb diets are not good for your what? Brain. For your brain. Trans fats, animal fats, and hydrogenated oils gum up the works. I call it the chips, chops, and lollipops program. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm not the enemy of a cookie, but the problem is we're having a birthday party for breakfast, Christmas for lunch, Thanksgiving for dinner, Fourth of July before we go to bed. You know, plenty of fireworks, but not the kind that we want. We just really don't know what we're putting in our mouths sometimes. And today we're going to get a little bit of insight as to what we can do. I wanted you to actually see a picture of the different types of subcutaneous uh, and visceral fat and show you what insulin resistance and metabolic disease look like. So this is sub-Q or under the, right under the skin fat. This is visceral fat. Do you see how there's fat around the organs? It's much more highly 
uh, metabolically active fat. This is a normal liver. This is hard to see, but there are striations in here. This is fatty liver. So when insulin resistance begins, what it usually begins, or it always begins in peripheral skeletal muscle, and then it grows into central <clears throat> insulin resistance. So insulin is the carrier for glucose. What's the fuel of the cells? The fuel of the cells is glucose. So if the glucose cannot get into the cells, what happens to those cells? They begin to die. They begin, begin to be prone to uh, genetic and cancerous change. We lo lose energy, and then it begins to create inflammation. That is one pathway to inflammation. There are others. This is what insulin resistance looks like in skeletal muscle. Now, what does this look like to you? It looks like a T-bone steak, doesn't it? And if you were going to barbecue one of these, which one would it be? It would be this one over here, wouldn't it? Because what, what, is, what is this called in the meat? It's marbling. It's marbled fat in, in the muscle here. This is normal skeletal muscle. This is human skeletal muscle. So the, the insulin, which is the carrier for the glucose, cannot get into the cells. It cannot find the doorknob, or the, it can't find the doorbell to get the glucose into the cells. Why? Because the cells are what? Striated with fat. So if you want your cells to be more sensitive to insulin, would that be a good thing? So if you want the cells to be more sensitive to insulin, what do you have to do at this level? What has to happen to this muscle? Defatting has to take place. Is it possible to defat fatty muscle? And what happens if this progresses is it becomes central. This is in skeletal muscle, but then it moves to the pancreas, and the pancreas becomes insulin resistance. Fatty liver. Have you heard of fatty liver? It goes to the liver, and then it goes to the brain. Can the brain become insulin resistance? Yes, and it has been called type 3 diabetes. Alzheimer's disease has been called type 3 diabetes. And I understand there are different pathways to Alzheimer's disease, but this is basically one of the metabolic pathways to these conditions. So the way to defat the muscle so that it's sensitive to insulin again, so the insulin can get the glucose into the cell, would that improve energy? Would that improve function? Would it, would it improve nutritional satiety, cellular satiety? Okay, so let's pause. I'm going to ask Evelyn to come on up, and she's going to show us uh, some handy practical things of how to defat the muscle. Now, let me just ask a question, before, Evie, before you get started. If you were going to buy a piece of beef, like if you were going to raise a beef cow, what would you have to do to get the beef cow in this condition? What would you have to do? You'd have to overfeed it, and then what else? There's a second thing you'd have to do. You'd have to keep it from moving. And guess what causes metabolic inflammation, insulin resistance in humans? Not moving and overfeeding. And Evelyn's going to give us a few tips on how that happens and how to get out of it. So what food is the most tempting for us? What do you think? Dairy. What's the food? Dairy? Sweets? How many of you would say sweets? Yeah? A few of you? What? A dairy? Anybody? 
Yeah. What else? What else is the is the food that just seems to be greasy? Those are the things that kind of attract us. Well, I, I'm sure some of you have seen our little sugar demo, uh, and maybe someone who's seen it will come up and help me. Anybody here? I need a volunteer. Would you come and help me? You're sitting right up here. And your name is Jenna. Yeah, we met as you came in. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are drinking this. I know it's not you, but it's probably your neighbors. And we'll just do some information here uh, of Mountain Dew. Would you tell us, Jenna, how many grams of sugar are in this product? 46. 46 grams of sugar. How much sugar is in one teaspoon. How many grams of sugar is in one teaspoon? Four. 46 divided by four would be 11 and a half, right? So count with me. We're gonna count out how much is in a serving of Mountain Dew. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five. I can't hear you. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and a half. Okay, what if you put that much sugar on your cereal in the morning? What would your people say? Whoa, yeah. Okay, that's how much is in a serving. What's the next question? How many servings? How many servings do you think are in here? How do you know these things? Three servings. You're supposed to share this with two other people. Do you see anybody doing such a thing? Okay, so we've got, 40, we've got 46 grams, which was 11 and a half teaspoons. How many more teaspoons do we need to add for two more servings? 23. 23. I've already measured it for you. So this is the amount of sugar that's in one Mountain Dew. Yeah, Dane always told us it was a Mountain Don't. <laughs> That's just gross. <laughs> That's just gross. <laughs> but it's hard to believe that there's that much sugar there. Now, some of the new labeling laws are going to have to reflect what's in the, the serving that size that people actually consume rather than what the company wants to count as a serving. So in the new uh, bottles, it will start to show what's in the whole bottle. But we, we drink this, and it gives us a nice big high, especially when it's got a kicker in it, right? And we're feeling pretty good, but then it starts to, we start to drop and need another fix. Would you give Jenna a big hand? Thank you. So what else happens? Yes? I have a question. How many of those a day does an average person drink? How many do you think is average that a person drinks? That's the question. What do you think? Some people may drink three of these a day. Yeah, that's, that was a, a comment. And so this becomes uh, pretty much of a habit. You had a, a, a comment. I have a coworker that lives on that stuff. I bet she drinks four or five of those. You think that your coworker drinks four or five of these a day. And it becomes that habit that Vicki's talking about. Yes. But people 
Oh, what about the sugar-free? Good question. So something that the high sugar food will do is it throws off your appetite hormones. You have Lipton and Ghrelin that tell us when we're hungry and when we're full. And when we're consuming a lot of sugar, it throws it off so that we don't really know when we're hungry and when we're full. And that keeps the appetite just always searching for something else. Well, the diet soda does the same thing. It, it throws off the Lipton and the Ghrelin. Plus, you have brain changes that happen with a high intake of sugar. And you've got this insulin response. And when we have the high insulin, the body says, let's hold on to fat. So you have this sugar going in, the insulin responds, and then the body is more apt to store fat. But one of the biggest things that high sugar intake does, we're going to expand on on Thursday, is it changes the bugs in your gut. So I'd like to just... Your microbiota. And we're going to explain a lot more about that on Thursday. But when we eat this sugar, the bugs that love sugar grow. Evie? What we're going to learn on Thursday, it's just a little sneak preview, is that within minutes of consuming these drinks, it stimulates the production of anxiogenic bacteria in the gut. What would that mean, anxiogenic? What does that not sound friendly? Anxiety-producing, depression-producing, propane, not the gas, propane, pro-inflammatory bacteria that starts screaming for more. We'll explore that more on Thursday. And so as we consume the sugar, we have this high um, uh, growth of the bacteria that love sugar, and that tells us that those bacteria start screaming and saying, give me more, give me more. And it actually affects the taste buds. So we have this, we have this cycle of consuming the sugar not knowing how to, you know, it's a biological war that's going on. And we have to fight smart, as Vicki's been telling us, to win the biological war. We, can't, we, we live in a society where there's food everywhere. There are donuts and there's uh, candy bar and machines and, 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 our, and our cupboards are probably full of these things too. And you, we just can't walk by these things when we have a biological war going on. So we want to fight smart. So what do you do if you've got the sugar craving? How do you overcome the sugar craving? You eat fiber foods. You get the carbs from the right place. And many people who, who go on what they call the low-carb diet, what they're doing is getting rid of sugar and white flour products, and then they're going, I feel better. Well, yes, you're going to feel better if you get rid of that. But like Vicki said, our body wants glucose. The best place to get it is from carbohydrates, but the unrefined carbohydrates, the way God put them together. So instead of drinking this, you could eat this much fruit 
if you could eat that much fruit <laughs> at one time. So you've got all the fiber that's going to fill you up and keep you fuller longer. And that is the secret. You've got to fill up and keep full longer. So that after you have that good breakfast in the morning, where you're choosing a good high-fiber breakfast, if you're going to work and you're going past the donuts, it's a different experience. You may still be drawn mentally, but maybe not so much physiologically. Tanking up on a good high-fiber breakfast is a smart idea. What's your target for wanting more fiber foods? Those of you who love numbers, you don't have to know these numbers. At least 30 to 50 grams of fiber. So at each meal, we want 15 to 20 grams of fiber. So choosing a good high-fiber cereal with some, nut, uh, some walnuts and some berries and, and making sure at lunch we've got some great fiber. What food is highest in fiber? Beans, beans, beans. If you've ever heard Vicki and I talk, we talk about beans. <laughs> beans and grains are the foods that our cultures have, have survived on all of these years. And for some reason, all of a sudden, these are bad foods. But if you look in every culture, you will find that unrefined grains and beans are the staple. And so getting back to the roots, and if you were to plant a bean, um, in the, a dried bean, is it possible that it would grow? Yeah. yeah. It has life in it, right? And if you were to take different parts of the vegetable or the fruit, the right ones, the seeds, and plant them, it has life in it. And these are the foods that's going to give us vibrancy and give us life. So having enough fiber helps to keep us fuller longer. And there are many other health benefits that go with that. Lowering heart disease and diabetes, reversing some of the, even possibly reversing some of these diseases. So tanking up on the fiber. Every meal you have, you look at the color and you say, am I getting enough fiber? Because that's the trick. It changes you, all the physiology, but especially the brain. So let's move on to the next. Yes. Okay. All right. So you believe what Evelyn's saying. Okay. Raise so your hand if you believe it. Raise your hand if you believe this woman. Okay. But there's a difference between a belief. Evie, why don't you come up? We'll do this together. There's a, a difference between a belief and a core value. It's a core value when you're, it's actually habitual. And you miss it when you don't do it. How many of you would like to get to that place? That's what we're going to be talking about. And today we're just going to go through together, Evie. And can both of our microphones work at the same time? Yes. Richard? Okay, great. Okay, Ev. Uh, let's go through this together and um, look at some strategies here. So first of all, best weight plan, number one, what do you have to do? Say it, let's say it together. Exactly. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You're just not going to get anywhere until you change it. That's right. So <laughs> number two, eat, eat fewer. fewer. Come on, everybody. Eat fewer calories. But what kind of calories? The empty, the nutrient deficient calories are going to grow 
gangsters in your gut. So you can't, you can't take a rocket off until it's all systems go. So we want your, you to be in metabolic, physiologic, psychologic, spiritual harmony, all systems cooperating so that you're not wrestling against systems that are fighting against you in your body. Does that make sense? It makes it almost impossible to win the war. So we're going we're gonna to learn how to shift those systems to cooperate with the habits that you want. Number eat. three is eat better food. And so, you know, uh, one great way, and we're getting to that strategy in just a few minutes, is just to write down what you're eating every day. You know, sometimes when we think back, we think, oh, we've been doing all these things, but writing it down is so important. How many of you tried that strategy? Writing down what you eat every day. It, it's a really good way to reflect how, many how much fiber am I getting and, and uh, a good self-reflection. Very, very important. In fact, with the National Weight Registry, that is one of the keystone habits. A keystone is the stone that holds everything else in place. So the St. Louis Arch has a keystone and a keystone habit of people that take off at least 30 pounds and leave it off long term, they write down what they eat. And it's interesting, studies show that when they were not even instructed to make any changes, it still resulted in weight loss. Why do you think that would be? No instructions, nobody tells them what to do, just write it down. You become more aware and you start to do what? You start to what? Think. You start to notice. You start to notice what you're writing down. And then people would start to add what they could do instead. And they'd start to think and plan. So it's that exposure effect. What you pay attention to, you're going to notice. What you notice, you're going to start working on. So very, very important. So eating better food. By the way, eating better food. Evelyn, two Chips Ahoy cookies are 170 calories. You could have, they're tiny. You could have 25 medium strawberries and three peaches. Which one do you think is going to foster happier, healthier gut bacteria? Which ones are going to be the bacteria that make you put on more weight? They're bad boys, those bacteria. And I don't want them in my town. So burn more calories. Does that sound like fun? Now, what would be the benefit of actually working those muscles, getting muscles built and worked every day? What would be the benefit? They take up less What takes up less space? Um, when you have more muscle. Yeah, you have more muscle. It squeezes the... But muscle is where energy is produced. And so when you're sitting there doing nothing, you're burning more energy. Does that sound like a good idea? That's kind of like cheating on the test. And I when you're exercising, you, you create more of the mitochondria mm -hmm. in those cells, and they burn more energy. Yes, and there's even another benefit. God is so good. He has built so many backup systems within us. And there are something in muscles called glucose transporters that have nothing to do with insulin. And when you... Uh, when you exercise those muscles, those proteins, those transporters go move to the exterior of the cell and pull in, pull in the glucose. So, and, and you can have improved insulin sensitivity after one bout of exercise anywhere from two hours to two days. So it even can help to uh, control the blood sugar of a, an insulin-dependent diabetic. So burning more calories is a really key piece. And then what's number five? Well, sure, it's like Jackie Gleason said. He said the second day of a diet is always the best because by then you're through with it. So, you know, the, the, the devil doesn't care if we have a good day every now and then, but I believe that the Lord wants us to be steadfast, immovable. Amen? 
When I've done wellness programs, everybody's doing about the same thing. And there are some people, they just seem to lose the weight right away. And I think a lot of that depends on physiology and, and genetics and whatever, but staying with it. Some people just have to work harder and it's not fair, but it's true. And it might take just a little bit longer, but stay with a sensible plan that's gonna not only help you to lose weight, but will also enhance your metabolic profile and help with blood sugars and cholesterol and, and the um, reducing arthritis and all of these other things as That's well. That's exactly right. You may hit a plateau and feel like nothing's happening, but you are getting more metabolically healthy. Inflammation is going down. Your gut bacteria are, are switching uh, towns. You're, you, there are so many changes that occur on this journey. You may be defatting the liver, the pancreas, uh, building the brain as well as body health. So plateaus are not defeats. Uh, plateaus are just uh, stopping places for a while. So we want to adopt a winner's attitude. Attitude is a little thing that makes what? It makes a really big difference. Perseverance is the miracle we need to pray for. Number two, eat fewer calories. Evelyn, go through that with us. Um, as you know, the calories that are in high fat foods are going to have more calories. And portion sizes, how much are we eating? And of course, we just looked at the sweetened drinks. And then what's in the snacks? We can easily pack on 500 calories just in a snack. And as we're going to learn in just a few minutes, that, that is significant. And we're eating almost 600 calories more than our grandparents. Do you think we're working harder than them physically? No. And people that eat diet, drink diet drinks, Evelyn, consume about 200 calories more a day because of the appetite uh, signaling that occurs. So be aware, writing down what you eat every day, and being aware of where those excess calories are found. Um, but when you eat fiber foods, about 20% of those calories are burned up during digestion. When you eat high fat foods, only 5% of those calories are burned during digestion. So you know, you can look at the calories, but when you're eating fiber foods, it's actually you know, to your advantage. And as you eat the, the, what we call intact grains, which would be the oat groats and, and brown rice and quinoa that hasn't been ground, you know, those are the ones that if you're having a little bit more of a struggle, stay with those intact grains rather than flour products. Even though it may be whole grain bread, you know, if you're having a bit of a challenge, stay with just eating the brown rice and the whole grain rather than the ground. Because when it gets, when you grind it, it's more absorbable than when you have the intact grains. That's right. And how many of you would agree with me that it's important for these things to become a habit? You can hear noises in your head, but still make choices out of habit. And what would be a reason that you would continue on in a good habit? What would be, over time, okay, you're choosing beans, you're choosing greens, you're choosing more raw food, you're choosing whole grains. What, what would be one of the things that would continue to promote that type of a habitual response, regardless of if there's a Cinnabon floating around in your thinking? You're feeling better. That's right. You have more energy. Uh, you, you, are, you, you feel more alert. You're able to stay awake during your Bible study. You have energy for the walk. So there are things that are going to promote forming that habit so that pretty soon you really don't have to argue with yourself so much. And we're told, we're promised that God's thoughts can become our impulses. Amen? How many of you have overcome a soda habit? 
Okay, so that's kind of the thing we're talking about. Do you crave it still? No. No, no. Because you've changed the habit. An intentional change. So here's, here's a little formula. It, it's 3,500 calories is a pound. That's one pound of body fat. And it looks like this. This is one pound. How many pounds do you think this is? Five pounds. So this is, this is 3,500 calories in a pound. So just 100 extra calories a day uh, can put 10 pounds on in a year. That's 10 M&Ms, people. I'm sorry. I am, I'm really sorry. 12 M&Ms is then how many calories? 12 M&Ms. 120 calories. That's a half an hour on a treadmill. Okay, so fine. Live it up. Have your M&Ms, but get on the treadmill for 30 minutes. Amen? So here's what we want to do. To, you want to burn, to, to lose a pound or maybe half a pound a week, you want to burn 3,500 calories more than consumed to lose a pound. How are we going to do that? That's about 500 calories a day over the course of a week. How do we want to parse that out, Evelyn? Let's take a look at it. Well, one, one thing to remember is that a half a pound, would you be happy with losing a half a pound or a pound of something like this a week? When you lose it on a, on a regular and a consistent and slow method the, that, show, that is more uh, indicative, that it's going to stay off. So slow is good. Slow is well, a half, good. A half to a pound a week. So excess weight did not go on in a day. It's not going to go off. Uh, in a day. So here are the golden rules for best weight plan. Eat only at mealtime. How many of you are in, uh, in concordance with that, in accordance with that concept? Put a fence around it. Put a barrier around mealtime. Uh, limit sugars and sweets. Limit fat and fatty foods. And the healthy fats, of course, are going to do some different things in the body that are very, very good. We'll talk about that Thursday. What do we need to do? Pay attention to what? Food labels, be aware of, calorie-dense foods, number of servings and portion sizes. Uh, fill up on high-fiber foods. Evelyn is going to share some comparisons here in just a moment. And that brings us to eating better food. Eating, we all want to eat better food. That's why you're here. What but we want to get in the habit. What do you think uh, the Adventist population, what could they do, what could we do as a group to maybe eat better food? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to repeat that one. No, we're not going to <laughs> I'm going to rephrase that. Thank you. Watch those snacky foods. <laughs> okay. What? Eat a plant-based diet. More greens, more beans. And maybe be careful with some of our little veggie products. You know, read some of those labels there. But add more of the, of the colors to our meal. More raw? Three cheers for salad. Raw, raw, raw. Amen? Okay, so let's look at some comparison breakfasts. Evie, you go ahead. Okay, this milk. is one breakfast that I don't think anybody here would be eating, but our people across the world do. We've got almost 500 calories, and how much fiber? Thumbs down on those fiber, right? That's what I'm doing in the primary this week, is talking about fiber. So we want 15. So we want, we want 15. 15 to 20, yeah. So we've got, for yes. each meal. So we've got oats and berries, a couple of different types of berries and some walnuts, and we've got 14 grams of fiber. Now this is something that's going to stay with you and keep you fuller longer and less calories. Lunch, um, I don't think too many people here would be doing this, 
Uh, but this is a very typical lunch with six wimpy grams of fiber. If you eat every sesame seed on that bun. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of the bag. Yeah, <laughs> eat the sesame seeds. You know, we're getting close to 1,000 calories there. For lunch, if you had some beans and brown rice and a corn tortilla, you've got your 20 grams of fiber. Now, how easy is that? Pretty easy, huh? Less than half and the calories. Half Less the than calories. Half. Yeah. Instead of 900, we've got 400 calories. See that big smile on his face? He had a big smile. And then here's some uh, veggie chick and uh, coleslaw and a dinner roll and ice cream. We've got a th over 1,000 calories and two little wimpy grams of fiber. Won't stay with you and keep you uh, fuller longer in a healthy way. So what could we do instead? How about some veggie soup and some whole grain bread, avocado, and some cantaloupe? You've got 10 grams of fiber and uh, 300 calories. So having that uh, supper meal smaller. Another thing that can be very helpful is what we call intermittent fasting. Have you heard of such? Where you have at least 16 hours from your last meal until your breakfast the next day. So you have your last meal around 3 o'clock, and then you make a good plan. You have to have the right attitude, and you have to have a plan, and you have to get to bed on time, and you have to be mentally ready for this. And you don't want to go into that kitchen at 11 o'clock at night. So you get mentally ready. You can drink the water, but it, it kind of recalibrates your metabolism. And so one plan is to try to do that maybe once a week of saying, okay, this is a night that I would be most successful in going from 3 in the afternoon until breakfast the next day. And you're going to probably get better sleep that night. And sleep is a huge factor when it comes to weight loss. Uh, it, 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 that resets our metabolism as well. And if we wake up, if we don't get enough sleep the next day, our cortisol levels are higher, and, and that just sends us into a sugar craving. So getting enough sleep is so important. So I just want to tell you just quickly, uh, I'm having a Bible study with a lady right now. She's very, very precious. She's actually a chaplain at a nursing home, and she's over 300 pounds. Uh, she went to our lifestyle series programs, and she's really committed, a committed Christian woman. And she was, she's weep, she was just weeping over her condition. She's a widow. She has depression. And so what, what do you think that we should do as health educators? Send her home with 10, 15, 20 things to do? Yeah, that would be overwhelming. So I'm really, really grateful to learn about finding one keystone habit. And I didn't tell her what to do. I asked her. I said, what's the one thing? If you were to pick one thing to start to work on uh, until it becomes so habitual that it's automatic and don't even start something else until that thing is so automatic that you don't even have to think about it anymore because now it's not a belief, it's a core value. It's inside of you, it's part of your DNA. She chose something I wouldn't have thought of, she chose drinking water. She wanted to drink 64 ounces of, of water a day and she began to drink, and she, it took her two weeks to reach her goal. 
And, um, and so after that two weeks, she called me. She was so excited that she reached that goal. But something else began to happen. First of all, she experienced success. Do you think that's a good thing, to experience success? So instead of having a mindset of all the things that aren't working and all the things I'm not doing and all the things I should be doing, how about focusing upon that one thing that you're going to start improving? Well, when she started drinking this water every day, what do you think started to happen for her? She started to, to detoxify a little bit. She felt better. And when, as she felt better and had more mental clarity and a little bit more energy, what else do you think she started to, to do? She started to feel happier, and she started to go for walks. For, for the first time in years, she walked 20 minutes. She started walking her grandchildren. And, um, and so that gave her the motivation to build another habit. And now the, another ha that other habit is now she's doing more walking every day. So when you have one good keystone habit, you will start to form other habits around it to protect it. And those habits build, they build. So don't go out of here with 50 things. Go out of here with one thing that you're gonna build. She's lost 15 pounds. She wore a dress yesterday that she hasn't fit in a year. Um, she's so excited because she's now ready to do whatever the next thing is. Je wim obese women who were only given one instruction, and that's eat an apple or a pear every night, every day, sometime during the day, they lost seven pounds in a month just from that one habit. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think that happened? Just one instruction, nothing else. They're, they're starting to do what? Make, make better choices. They're starting to think about it. They're getting more fiber, more nutrition. It's starting to work. They feel success. They feel motivated, energized. So you see these things build. It's called a keystone habit. So enjoy those, make those fiber choices. Use the plan of addition. So uh, we want to enjoy more fruits and vegetables. These are going to displace those high-calorie foods. Have a low-fat salad. So people are used to having two cups. You know, they say a serving of, of ice cream is when the spoon hits the bottom of whatever the container is. No, no. So people will eat a pint of ice cream with a strawberry on top. If, you're, if you really struggle with this, flip it. What would the flip it plan mean? What are you doing? You're going to eat a pint of strawberries with one tablespoon of ice cream on top. Amen? And pretty soon you won't be able to stand those huge doses. Uh, and I was bulimic for 20 years, so I'm really grateful for the discipline of, of this kind of lifestyle that really builds mental, physical, and spiritual strength. Amen? We're preparing for Jesus to come. That's really what this is all about. Try meatless dishes, dairy alternatives, more water, and burn more calories. Ev, do you want to? So does it matter what time of the day you exercise? How many of you think the morning is the best time? Yeah, why is morning the best time? It doesn't get in your way. Yeah, and ups your metabolism. How many think the afternoon is the best time to exercise? Yeah, it helps to lower stress during that time of the day. How many of you think the evening is the best time to exercise? I do. Yeah, a lot of people, they, they even sleep better. So the best time to exercise is when you do it. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when Don't mess with Evelyn where. on this one. <laughs> Don't mess with her. So, and it can be broken up. We found through studies that you can do 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, and it matters. So increase daily activity. Evie, I just want to say one thing. For every five pounds you lose, you're going to take 15 pounds pressure off your knees, and it is non-movement that causes pain, not movement. 
So um, increasing the activity. So what we'd like to do, we talked about the 500 calories. We want to reduce 300 calories from extra food, and we want to burn up 200 calories. How long is it going to take to burn up 200 calories? One treadmill. <laughs> One treadmill. An hour. At least it would probably take about an hour. Now, that may sound overwhelming, but what's a baby step? Where do you start? If you're not doing anything, you start with a 10-minute walk. What time will you do that 10-minute walk? You decide. Is it after breakfast or is it the afternoon and you go for that 10-minute walk? Or if you have that machine that's covered with clothes, you remove those and you get on that treadmill uh, for 10 minutes. And you do that for a week and then you increase it to 15 minutes or maybe two 10 minutes in a day. And you gradually increase until you get up to um, to burning at least 200 calories so that you can have that deficit of the 500 calories a day for the goal of losing a half so to a pound. So is it easy to cut three, with what we're looking at here with these calorie dense foods, would it be easy to cut 300 calories? Very easy. Yes? It's easy. Well, there's, there's 500 in one of these. A small bag of uh, those potato chips, uh, that's 360 right there. So just eliminating that. So yes, it's easy to cut 300 and it's, it's, it's doable to burn 200. That's 500 calories a day. Hmm. Picture. These are online for free, by the way. These PowerPoints, these if you go to lifestylematters.com, we have videos you can watch. The PowerPoints are scripted. They are free for you to use in your church or in your home or with your neighbors. So we so want you to go. So this is online yeah. and it's free. Yeah. If you go to our website. Okay. Did you get it? Cool. Okay. So you can mix it up and you can do all at once or you can do it a little at a time and find something that's fun and you will stay with it. But this is the primary thing to stay with it. And as you leave here tonight, today, you want to just do as Vicki said. You're, we've, we've given a lot of information, but you're going to go, okay, what's that one thing that makes sense to me right now? And I would suggest you choose an easy thing that will work for you. What are some one things that we could choose? What are some one thing? It doesn't have to be yours, but what could be a one thing that would be an important first step that could be, until it becomes such a habit that you miss it if you don't do it? Yes. A walk in the morning. A walk in the morning. Okay, what could be another one thing? Yeah, adding, adding some fiber to your breakfast. Yes. A one thing. What else would be a one thing? Yes, ma'am. More raw, 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 raw. Have your roughage ready. Yes. Getting, getting to bed on time, and you're saying, having, uh, ramping up the fruit, one apple or pear a day, yes. A recent concept that I hadn't heard of before was eat within 30 minutes after getting up, instead of putting off breakfast. Okay, so don't starve yourself in the morning. So, you know, you get up, you have your routine. So getting into a habitual routine for, for meal timing and the crunch factor. We say crunch for lunch, okay? So what else? What would another one thing be? Yes. Yes, having, having, having things ready so that you're not caught when you're hungry, angry, or anxious, lonely, or tired. Halt! Yes. Yes, it's amazing what drinking more water, how that will stimulate you know, more energy, you, you just feel better, and it will help to create stepping stones 
stepping stones. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, just stopping, just putting a, you know, okay, I'm done. We're not doing that. You know, I hate to drive. I'm a bad driver. And so I have to talk to myself out loud about the way I'm going to drive. If I'm in a busy intersection, I'll say, Vicki, this is your road. Claim it. Okay, everybody out of the way. <laughs> so and she it gives calls me the courage. Me, she calls me and she says, I'm going to love my drive I up lo today. I love my drive. And so we, you just tell, if you tell yourself out loud what to do, you will do it. You will. You'll be more likely to do it. And you'll believe what you say to That's yourself. That's right. That's exactly right. Anyone else? Yes. Yeah. You know, you could just make up your mind that my, my suppers, when I have my supper, it's small. I could fit it on a saucer. You know, I know you can put, what are they, lava cake on a saucer. Okay, I get that. But you, you understand the concept. So eating a smaller <laughs> supper. Yeah, yes. Oh, yes, every day, a handful of nuts. I, every day, I make sure I have a handful of nuts. We'll talk about fats on yes. Thursday. Yeah, stand up. Oh, yes. more, more mindful eating where yes. you're not distracted with other things. Yes, avoiding good. distracted eating. You know, we, we'll put get a pound M&M bag and, you know, so like we're driving and just filling up on this stuff. And just 12 M&Ms is 120 calories. So I'm sorry, folks, but uh, that's yes. got to go. Oh. All yeah. right. Did you want to say something? Sleep has a lot to do with weight. Yes, when you don't get enough sleep, it changes your metabolism. So when you sleep, there's a lot of repair and restoration that happens when we sleep. And, and yes, hours ma matter. Yeah, hours hours matter. matter. At least seven to eight, and some people actually need nine. You have to figure out what it is for you. And insulin, but, insulin control and blood sugar control are more difficult the day after a lo lost sleep. Yes, what people who work nights, they suffer from that. Yes. And so, yes, there is, there is documented evidence that those people who are working night shifts are paying a price for it. But you can do everything you can to have a dark, quiet room during the day and sleeping. And that's certainly going to make a difference. But the sleep, uh, dep sleep deprivation actually raises the cortisol levels, the stress hormone, and that can increase the appetite, especially for sugar, the next day. Mm -hmm. And it also, when you're tired, you don't you don't resist as much and you don't, uh, you know, you, you, it, it's just harder to make better choices when we don't get enough sleep. Anybody that's had children understand go. that. Okay, so we want to stay with it. The road to success is dotted with many tempting places, so watch out for those. Adopt that winner's attitude, eat fewer calories, eat better food, burn more calories, and stay with it. And uh, a lot of people are looking for magic, and they're looking for the, 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 the pill or the, the solution that you just take this or whatever. But these are the principles that have been tried and true. And uh, we want you to embrace the, the healthy foods and to stick with it well, and to find a partner to, with you to go with you on this journey. Yeah, and here's what I would like to say. Reaching a goal is a wonderful thing. But what we become as we achieve the goal is actually more important than the actual goal. So it's the daily choice is changing you. It's changing your character. It's changing the way you look at life. It's the changing your, you know, your relationship to God. Uh, and so it's what we become as we work toward a goal. So you can have joy in the journey, not just at the end. Amen? Amen. Yes, sir.
Right. Well, with a high, yeah, there are seven deadly dietary shifts. We don't have time to go in. One of them is low, uh, is high sodium. The other is low potassium. So part of that has to do with getting more fruits and vegetables to ramp up potassium, and then the sodium levels tend to, to balance out. Yes, and that can make yeah. you retain fluid right. as well, yes. Well, okay, I think we need to wrap up. Yes, we do. Well, listen, God bless you. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that God has spoken to your heart about that one thing today. I want you to have joy in your journey uh, because it's what you're going to become as you daily make those choices, and God will be with you. He'll give you the power. We, we just appreciate your time today. Amen. So we will close with prayer. And after we close with prayer, I want you to share with somebody sitting next to you what that one thing is that you are going to concentrate on as you leave here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've had together. You know the issues in our life and you know how to best direct us. And we, we ask for that power, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom and discernment and direction, and that we can be the shining example for you, that, that we can experience the vibrant health that you so desire to give to us. And we um, ask that you go with us and give us that power on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.